Life Audio. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We want families to come here and gain insightful strategies that empower them to successfully teach diverse learners at home. Hosted by founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool, Peggy Ployer. Our goal is that these powerful weekly conversations will boost your confidence to cultivate the best at-home learning environment for your student. For more homeschool resources, go to spedhomeschool.com. You're listening to Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. We'll start the conversation with Peggy and her guests next. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool, a nonprofit that empowers families to home educate diverse learners. To learn more, visit spedhomeschool.com. Here's Peggy Ployer. In today's broadcast, we're going to learn how to transform ADHD and sensory issues with movement with my special guest, Sonia Story, developer of the Brain and Sensory Foundations Training and owner of Play, Move, Thrive. Welcome, Sonia. I'm so excited to have you here today. Well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here, and I trust we'll have a great conversation. And I want to thank you for setting this up and for all the listeners. Yes, yes. We have listeners popping on right now. I see them coming on. Um, So if you are watching live, just know that you can be part of this conversation. Um, You can put some information about yourself in the feed, or you can share this with another person that may um, be interested in this topic, or just put in questions maybe that you have that um, are are just making you think, how how do we use movement to help with these issues? Because um, that's what Sonia is going to be talking about today. And we did have listeners um, submit questions ahead of time, too, through um, the ability when we send out our newsletter, we send out a link with that. And so we've been getting some questions um, last night, too. So we're going to build those in to the conversation. Um, one last thing I want to let you know is that Sonia is going to be sharing slides. And so if you're listening to the podcast or you're watching um this later and maybe you want a copy of the slides, um, there'll be a link in the YouTube description as well as the podcast description for you to be able to access those slides on her website. So um, and thank you for providing that, Sonia. That's um, extra help for, for parents who want to review a lot of the, the, the great stuff you're going to talk about. Um, so I'm super excited to dive in. And I know um, I, the, the first question I love to ask my my interviewees is um, is just a little bit about themselves. And I know you have it baked into your slide. So um, so oh, let's sure. just pop into there and um, and tell us a little bit about you and um, and your your journey kind of through this movement um, and how how that has um, affected the work that you do, as well as um, just the families you work with. Sure, I'm happy to do that. So I started out getting my my primary education was um, I had a combined major of biology and psychology. And after that, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I got married. I had children. We actually homeschooled also. And yeah. um, I kept wanting to find a career and I had been praying for a very long time to find something where I could be of service, where I could 
know that I was making a difference and that Beautiful. it was suitable to me and that it was enjoyable. Right. That was my goal. That was my idea. And that's a good goal. Um, I love it, it. Yeah. And it really didn't come together until um, our youngest child was about six is when I started my training. So I was already in my 40s. Okay. And um, by that time, okay. and, <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I, the timing ended up being perfect, even though I kept yeah. kind of striving for like, I've got to find something, I've got to do something. And I, I started with um, freelance writing, but that that didn't go anywhere. And really, I was meant to be home with the children, which I'm yeah. so grateful that I got to be. But then when we were doing our homeschooling, I was noticing that I was frazzled. My children, um, even though they loved each other so much, our oldest one was hypersensitive. Our youngest one was okay. hyperactive. Right. And the two together were so challenging because they kept Absolutely. triggering each other. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it was just... I was in tears some days and then um, yeah. there were times when I was yelling at them for yelling right. and then I knew I was so off track. Down there. Yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, I have to find something. So um, I actually ended up being able to go to a course, a training course in Brain Gym. And I was going because I wanted to be a better mom. Um, yeah. A lot of people start this movement work and they're really motivated to do it because they know their children need it. But I thought I needed it. <laughs> and I was right. I was right about that. But then as soon as I started learning, I knew that they could benefit also. And yeah. um, as a result of that training, I learned more about how important the infant movements are. And so then it was a very interesting yeah in our lives because we just made a big move. We had been living in Hawaii. We made a big move to the mainland wow. mm -hmm. and my husband had sold his small home-based business, but he was still working as a consultant online for the people who bought it. And so we had some money and we had time because he was no longer crazy working 80 hours a week trying to, you know, pay our bills, run a business. Yep, exactly. One income family thing. So um, I got to go and do all these trainings. And so I really was able to develop a specialty and I took uh, over 50 courses in specifically wow. in neurodevelopmental movement, which we'll talk about um, right. what that yeah. is. Exactly. I'm super excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just started like, I, in 2008, I got a letter from a mom who told me that her boy, they'd tried everything for his ADHD. And after doing these movements consistently for four months, he had made all kinds of changes academically, socially, physically. And I was just wow. reading it going, wow, someone's got to get this out to parents. Right. And I didn't realize that it was like going to be my task. But then I <laughs> soon realized like nobody is doing this. Nobody is yeah. really getting this out to parents. So then I was contacting a bunch of parents as I developed courses because I started synthesizing the best of the best tools from all the different courses I took. And then I also was working by that time doing private sessions. So I had done it with our mm -hmm. own two girls and they made beautiful changes in their challenges. It was just so mm -hmm. much better. We were able to to have harmony, uh, which was super. <laughs> That's a great goal. <laughs> yes, it was so. It was the number one thing I wanted was family harmony, and um, and I was able to finally like go. Wow, you know this is so much better. And it wasn't right. just them who improved. It was me also. I had some underlying neurosensory motor things that I didn't know I had. I would just had been compensating for them do, my I entire think, life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had my own underlying um, low-grade anxiety. So even though I was functioning well, like from the outside, like I got good right. grades and I was responsible and I was doing my best to be a good mother, my nervous system was still really not settled. And of yeah. course, when you are raising your children, you can say one thing, like, I'm here, you're okay. Like, for example, when they get hurt, but if inside you're all rattled, that's what they 
they they'll get that. all that exactly. underlying communication. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so because I never felt safe inside, they never felt safe inside. And it was so great perspective. obvious yes. to me yes. when I started learning about how important these movements were to the nervous system. After a word from our sponsor, we'll dive back into this conversation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by SPED Homeschool. Go to spedhomeschool.com to get resources and support for teaching your unique learner at home. Our daughter with the more hypersensitivity, by the time she got into like middle school age, she was having real challenges relating with her peers, which she had never really had that before that I noticed, but in the school setting, because she she was homeschooled and then she went to school in third and fourth grade, homeschooled again, went to school for six months in the seven, around seventh grade. And in those school experiences, she was really shy and she would not relate with her peers, but always homeschooling, she had been fine. And I, I was such, I couldn't understand it. I was like, what is going on? Because this child has always been so happy and bubbly. And, you know, we'd go to the bank together and she'd talk to the bank teller and we'd go to the store and she'd talk to the growth, you know, so, and we, she was fine every time we did homeschooling activities in groups with other kids. So I just could not figure it out. And I kept saying, what is going on? Because her teachers would say, she's not speaking up in class. She's not relating with the other kids. And so I'd ask her and she'd say, mom, I'm just shy. And I'd be like, but you're not shy. I don't get it. And yeah, but I, there is actually a specific infant reflex and she actually did have a traumatic birth, but it was left over from that time period where she was frozen in certain situations, which is a nervous system response. It's a very primitive one and it's not helpful Right. But if you don't know how That's to unwind that, yeah, it stays there. So anyway, uh, it was so life changing for all of us, and wow. um, so that's what ties back into the being safe and secure place. Exactly. And also, you don't feel safe when you have sensory issues. You just right. don't. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a problem, and um, so just seeing our children blossom and wanting to share this with other parents was just huge. And then I, so I created a curriculum, started teaching it. I would do my best to contact parents. And then it it turned out that like a lot of parents weren't coming, but OTs and PTs were coming to my courses. And I was super intimidated about that at first. And then I started like gathering all the research and doing all the different applications that I need to do so that they can get continuing education. So that's kind of where my, my focus was drawn to because that I had to make a living <laughs> by that right, time. I had to exactly. So money on my Go training. where the demand is. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. had to make a living. I was like, well, if they're showing up to these classes, I better teach them. 
Right. And um, so then I, I was able to get the certifications and everything so they could get their CEUs. But I always thought, yeah. why aren't the parents coming? And then I realized, oh, they have special needs kids. They're overwhelmed. They're exhausted. They're probably right. in a one-income family. How are they going to take a weekend workshop? You know, it's, first right. of all, it's expensive. It's so much time to be away from your family. Yeah. And I just, I was like, okay, I totally get it. And then I had a group of parents ask me to teach online, which I started to do yeah. in 2012. Because before that, I was always teaching live workshops. So then since 2012, I've had an online program. And that's just been great because it's so much more accessible right. for parents. Mm -hmm. So parents have been able to take it much easier and really run with it. And I'm super happy about that. Yeah. And um yeah. So that's, yeah. that's a long story. <laughs> that's a long story. Well, I just, yeah, I want to encourage our listeners. If you, you've been listening to Sonia the whole time and I saw people have been popping on, um, you know, a lot of times we, when we do start homeschooling, when we do start staying home with our kids, even if it's part-time and we're doing some job, we really do reevaluate who am I? Um, what am I called to do? And, um, what an encouraging story that, um, that you took what you knew needed to maybe happen or transform in your own life and, and go with that, change me first. And then how can I use what has changed in me to help others? And, um, the homeschooling process itself is very refining and, oh, yes. um, yeah, <laughs> walk all in itself. Yes, exactly. But if we embrace yeah. it, we come out on the other side um, mm -hmm. better for it. And so just an encouragement to those that are watching. All right. Yeah. Well, let's dive in um, to this topic. And do know if you're watching live and you have questions or comments, um, feel free to put them in the feed, um, whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. Um, if you are watching in the Facebook support group, just know that you can't make comments in there. You'll have to go to our main page to do that because it's it's um because it's a private group i guess that's the, the rules <laughs> so all right so starting out with what are neuro movements yeah so i'll just describe this slide it's basically text and then there are pictures of specific baby movements there are four babies with different doing in different positions doing different movements and um so that's what neural movements are they're the movements of infancy they are innate so this is how we are beautifully designed and put together yeah. we're designed with our own movement program because it is incredibly important so these are wow. movements that babies will do in the womb and during the birth and in early infancy. And in fact, it's not only the baby's first exercise program, but it's the first development of the brain, the sensory system, and it wow. helps with the birthing process and it helps with survival and protection. So innate movements that everybody knows are babies suck, they suck naturally, and then they eventually grow out of it. The, the body loses the need to keep doing that. The sucking is so important. Obviously, it gives us our nourishment and our right. comfort, but it's it's doing all kinds of things with our muscles, with our brain, with mm. our um, sensory systems, and the bones, actually, of our skull and jaw. So all of these hmm. movements have so much to do with our proper functioning later on. And there are movements called infant reflexes. Some of them are primitive, which means they're designed to go away, then become dormant. Oh, okay. Some of them are postural, which means that they stay with us our whole lives and help us as we move through different movements where we have different, we take on different postures. These movements will automatically help us um, with our voluntary movement. Okay. And then um, right. developmental movements are ones people are probably familiar with, like sitting up, crawling, rolling over, those kinds of things. Right. And then there are innate rhythmic movements. Sucking is an innate rhythmic movement. 
crawling is innate rhythmic movement that people are aware of, but there are many, many more really? that are <laughs> super important for our brain growth, our sensory processing maturity. And it's just so fascinating to me. And it's it wow. actually helped me. I've just been in awe learning these because we are so amazingly designed yeah. to to automatically do these movements um, and have it be a, a way that we are set up for our future learning, our future social emotional growth, our brain growth, our sensory growth. It's really the really the the template from from which we function well and you cannot develop properly without these movements so they're required for maturity of the brain body and sensory systems so we can probably advance the slide here yeah yeah so they have jobs they develop the brain and nerves the senses they give us our um, ability to develop our muscle tone muscle strength stamina and coordination and then they're critically important for emotional and social growth. Growth hmm. and um, the brain maturity to manage our emotions, control impulses, and communicate. Those are things wow. that require the brain to be mature, as does, um, it's not on this list, but the other thing, the brain has to be developed at least to a certain level of maturity in order for a child to be still and focus oh, okay. and be able to pay attention. You cannot do that without these movements. You just don't have the ability to do it unless you have developed a certain level of brain maturity. I mean, you could force yourself and, and children try and force themselves to right. do it because they're being asked to. You know, right. sit still, pay attention. And I asked a little boy one time, because I asked him to lay down on my table so I could check his feet reflexes. And his eyes started getting really big, like he was hmm. scared. And I, th I said, what does it feel like when I ask you to lie down? And he said, like, I'm going to explode. And this is oh, a five-year-old. Right. He didn't hesitate to answer. He knew right away. So mm. it's incredibly uncomfortable to try and function when you don't have your foundation in place. And, um, so and sense. of course, yeah. you have to focus and pay attention to be able to learn and to access the higher parts of the brain. You need the lower parts to be developed. And so that's the gist of what we're doing with these okay. movements. We're trying to replicate the development that may have been hindered, that had gaps in it. Yeah. Um, like, for example, if there's been any kind, well, I mean, just so many children are struggling now. And it's not just children with special needs that are identifiable. Um, all yeah. the children across the board are struggling. It's just that the ones with identified special needs are struggling more because they've probably yes. had more hindrances. And I really want to just clarify that this is not parents' fault. This That's is the world we live in. We yes, live in a world exactly. With extreme levels of toxicity in our food, in our water, in our air. We live in a world that has um, a lot of electromagnetic frequencies and pollution that is probably yes. very much disrupting our health. Mm -hmm. We live in a world where um, the time of pregnancy is not held sacred and it's not protected the way it should be. Um, mm -hmm. And things like uh, parents don't often know because they don't understand, like an ultrasound could be problematic. That's what the research is showing, but Wow. It's the standard of care, right? Um, you know, the cell phones, the, the Wi-Fi, all of it is disruptive to our development. And so like exactly. pretty much all the kids are struggling with gaps in development. It's just a matter of degree and it could be a severe degree or very mild, Yes, but it's a agree. huge, yeah. huge thing. And it's, it's not, Oh, it's a hard subject to talk about because it's so sad. 
Um, yeah. And it was like all I could think about for about 10 years. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I know. I couldn't stop thinking about it. But then I, I was like, okay, I have to focus on just this is the one what area we can do. Yeah. solution mm-hmm. that you can really make a huge impact. And so anyway, the last point there was balance and posture, which is going to relate to our next slides. But we, if we are going to have the ability to be upright, aligned without forcing ourselves to be upright, to be free of tension and strong, that is a function of brain maturity, which is a function of whether or not you got the full repertoire of all these different movements from the womb and infancy and toddlerhood. So that's going to make more sense for the next slides because what you're going to see is, um, I think... I have it coming, right? Yep, let me see. There we yeah, go. Yeah, so posture and core strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, okay, so I better describe this. So yes. um, for the ones who can't see it, so we have a picture that is actually eight babies, and there's four on the top and four on the bottom, and they're toddlers. And the ones on the top are sitting upright, and they're very aligned. Their backs are straight. They look as though they're engaged and exploring their worlds. They're um, alert and they have much more because they're aligned and upright. They have the ability to breathe and take a deep breath. Their organs have the ability to grow and without being squished. But then the second, the second panel of babies below that, these babies are slumped. They have an obvious kind of C curve in the back and they are less able to function. So they don't have the core strength and alignment that they would. And so the whole point of this is that um, when you see a child who is having a trouble functioning, whether it's um, they appear lazy or they appear defiant or they appear to have behavior issues or they appear to struggle with learning or they um, they're tired all the time or they're whiny or they um, they have ADHD or they it's hard for them to keep things in their memory. Like they're they're having trouble processing, Mm -hmm. you know, that they're smart, but they can't quite get it out even though you've seen their brilliance and you know that they have huge loving hearts, but they keep having emotional anger tantrums. That all is a function of a child in a body that is not working well and is not set up with proper brain maturity, proper sensory maturity and proper um, physical, uh, physiological maturity. So they end up with a poor ability to focus, a lot of sensory discomfort. Again, that can be mild or severe, um, inability to be still and anxiety and things like ADHD. So, okay, so we can advance. So that just shows like all of these movements develop our ability to function well. But if we didn't get them or we didn't fully get them, Mm -hmm. there can be things like ADHD, ADD, sensory disorders, anxiety. Um, There's even a situation where the body parts don't move independently. Um, Yeah, and so there's muscle tension muscle weakness. Um, And the reason why the body parts don't move independently is because that is a carryover from primitive reflexes that never went dormant like they should have. Like, so the body is left more of that raw sort of vulnerable infant state, not fully, but there are underlying neurological glitches. So for example, um, one primitive reflex that everybody is probably familiar with is when you put a finger in in a baby's hand, they'll grasp. Oh, yes. And Mm -hmm. they'll grasp onto it. Well, that's a wonderful reflex because um, it develops the muscles of the hand. It gets the message going from the hand to the brain, the brain to the hand, develops the sensory systems of the hand. And it's so important. We have so many nerve endings in our hands. But if you, so the way it's supposed to work in healthy development 
is you're supposed to be able to do this movement over and over. It's it's there for a good purpose. And then you repeat it over and over. And then your brain goes, oh, I've had enough of that. Yeah. It's like the sucking. If you get right. enough sucking, you don't need it anymore. Yes. So then your brain goes, I have enough of that. I can move on to things like this, right? Which are, yes. and what I'm doing Pinching. is touching like mm-hmm. the fingers to the thumb, independently instead of the whole hand the just whole hand. grasping in one ah, I see. Sort of yes. lump. So you can move on to more refined movement. Yes, um, that fine motor kicks in and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So that's that's why I see all these body parts are connected with the original reflex and you're supposed to be able to grow and mature beyond that state, even though at the time of infancy it's super helpful. You need it. Right. And then it um, yeah. leads can I um, pop in that question? That cause we got a question from a viewer um, ahead of time of the show that was about primitive reflexes or retained reflexes. Yes, um, this might be a good spot to pop that in. She said, um, Stephanie asked, if your child seems to have a lot of retained reflexes, which ones do you start with? Which ones are at the bottom of the pyramid that supports all the others? Is is there a bottom, or can you just kind of work on them so- sporadically? To my utter delight, when I first, uh, okay, so let me go back. So to my utter delight, I'll finish my sentence here. Many more parents nowadays know about the importance of these primitive reflexes. The word is getting out more and more. When I first started, there was so little awareness about this. There's much more now. However, I do not recommend starting a child on the primitive reflexes because we are designed in the beautiful way that we are to do rhythmic movements first. Okay. And that's where I start because they're incredibly calming. They're soothing. They're easy. Most children love them and will ask for more. And it gets the brain maturity and the sensory maturity going. And it also helps to integrate the very two most primitive reflexes, which are fear paralysis and moro. And fear, and I have a little bit about moro if we have time for those slides. But Mm -hmm. so I would recommend starting with the innate rhythmic movements. And that's why we teach that in my course. and so that's that's how yeah. I would do it. And then de- it's so it's very dependent on your child. And we also teach that. I mean, it's it's ideally should be a very customized, very individually based approach. And you you get Got that it. by watching how your child responds. If yeah. they respond well, you can do more and you can advance. If That's they're really yeah. in that place where they're super sensitive, if you start stimulating and integrating reflexes, it can make them more sensitive. It can make really? them more irritable. Okay. You have to have a little bit of training and a little bit of knowledge of like what to do if they're uncomfortable, how to back yes. up to go earlier in the developmental sequence and go, wait a minute, we're just going to do less yeah. at the beginning and more easy stuff and then gradually build up. And then it can be joyful which it yes, should be. Absolutely. We always want to be teaching children that movement is joyful. It's meant to be joyful. Right. Human beings yeah. are meant to move. They are meant to have loving touch. They're meant to feel safe with touch, happy and safe with movement. And you you have to build up because if you are left with this brain immaturity, from infancy that never really got finished, mm-hmm. which, by yeah. the way, one of my mentors is um, Harold Blomberg, who's a psychiatrist, and he said that is the main reason for symptoms like ADD and ADHD is that you didn't get really? enough of these infant movements. Yeah, he was absolutely convinced. He said, you do not need drugs for this condition, and um, he gave children movement as their medicine and they healed beautifully and came out of their diagnoses. Now he was also aware of the importance of nutrition. So that is a very important piece. And I'm not 
discounting that at all. And there are other things like maybe osteopathic work or chiropractic. And there are other ways to, to do that. And those are all valid. But, um, the, the drugs are, can be very problematic. Um, yes. because of their side effects. So, um, and they won't give you brain maturity. Um, like right. Movement. So it's not, it's not solving the problem. You're just kind of covering yeah. it up and yeah. yeah. So, so that's a little bit why, and, and to get into really the nitty gritty and the nuts and bolts of how do you do it? What order? There's no protocol that works for everyone, which is why I teach in my courses, like, Let's get this going in the way that works for your child. And you have right. to be, you have to um, have some knowledge about what to look for instead of just saying, okay, it's in a way, yeah. it's in a way you can take the curriculum and apply it just like you would, you know, I got a math textbook. We're going to go through this and we're going to learn it. So in a way you can do that as a parent. But when yeah. you actually give it to your child, you have to customize it according to what their nervous system can handle and then build right. from there. It's just like you wouldn't teach calculus before, you know, fractions. Yeah, you've got to get that mastery down. And yeah. and so then you have that those underlying things just to, as an educational, the same the same with yeah. this. That's that's really good advice. Yeah, because awesome. otherwise you can very much overwhelm a child. Yeah, especially if they're really sensitive. So anyway, so these are some of the things we can move on to the, I think I've talked about everything on there anyway. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, So basically what we're doing in a nutshell is we're taking the movements that human beings are designed to do anyway, and we are using them to boost development to mature the brain, body, and sensory system and to get the development in there that may have been missed. And um, it's really a beautiful system because the brain recognizes these movements already and it just takes it in like nutrients, like food. Uh And it goes, yeah, I know what to do with that. And, (laughs) And then you see these amazing transformations. Yes. So, and then obviously first, yeah. we know the brain can change and um, movement yes. is one of the quickest ways that it can change, but not just any movement. These are innate movements that we're doing. Most of them. I mean, we have right. some other, um, we have some other specific sequences and things like that, that support the innate movements and also help take the stress out of goals. Because the thing is, is if a child did not get everything they needed in that infant period, it's stressful carrying that through the older you get because your body has to keep compensating. Your right. brain has to keep yeah. compensating. Mm-hmm. And so you end up with these stress patterns. And so we're oh, just kind okay. of unwinding those right. and getting the proper development in there. So it, question um do then if you have had those stress patterns for a long time is it harder then to switch it well i started in my 40s and i I know people who are starting in their 60s and 70s it can be harder yes because you've been compensating for a long time it can be harder but at the same time i might have gotten more in my foundation than a child who had for example a really traumatic birth or, you know, a very stressful womb life or, you know, some complication in or right. illness or injury or some kind of trauma, you know, or, you know, they can sleep. So they're completely right. exhausted. So that, that can, all those things can disrupt this system. And okay. so it depends on what kind of foundation you got and then what you were exposed to after that. But it, they work for any age and oh. um, it can be more tricky for the older ones, but we have really good tools to help with that. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So okay, uh, you so, got a story to share, huh? <laughs> yeah. So this young girl is 12 and um <clears throat> 
That's her actual picture. A lot of times we use a different picture, but that's her actual yeah. picture. She was very proud of her progress and that's rightly awesome. so. Her mom is a occupational therapy assistant and this little girl had medically diagnosed ADHD. Her mom took the Brain and Sensory Foundations course and started applying first the rhythmic movements. And then the first thing that they noticed after doing two months of these innate rhythmic movements is that her anxiety levels dropped quite a bit. So she had been fearful of going anywhere in public without her mom. And then they ended up going to a restaurant and she just went to the bathroom on her own. And this was, you know, wow, this that's was a, a huge 12 step. year old yes. uh-huh. who was super anxious and highly anxious in public places. And I've heard this from a lot of parents, like really anxious children. Our second daughter was very anxious too. I had to, I had to go with her um, for her sleep routine it was so hard because she was so anxious. I had my own, um, like there were uh, different levels of depletion that I had in my body because I had a, an issue with, I was actually drinking a lot of soy milk and I didn't realize how bad that was for me. But anyway, so I was depleted in my minerals and um, and so I was exhausted, but she was exhausted because she wasn't sleeping properly because she was always on edge and anxious about going to sleep. So wow. I would try to put her, you know, down to sleep, but she, she was like, no, you can't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. Oh. So it was, it was exhausting. And then my, my right. husband's like, well, what about me? You know, so <laughs> it was like, it was, it's so hard. Oh. I understand how hard it is. Um, right. And anyway, so a lot of parents tell me that their children have trouble sleeping. Right. And And we got a question from one of our viewers about that, too. It is so good for helping with that, because what it really does as you move through piece by piece is you gradually get the nervous system to let go of the fight or flight response. Okay. Because when you're a baby, that fight or flight response is really needs to be there. That's your survival. That's your, like, you have to be able to startle and call your mother, like, come and help me or whatever. And so, but if you don't mature your brain beyond that, it's there. It's like constantly there underlying. And so you, it makes you more hypersensitive as you go along because you've got adrenaline and cortisol. It's not good. And so what the movements do is they teach the brain and the body, we're safe, we can move on, we're more mature, we can let this go. Okay. And, um, and then you start functioning so much better. Um, So then basically, this little girl, she had had an IEP. And she had been in speech therapy since she was three. Her after um, what did when was this in six months, she was able to start getting all A's and B's on her report card. And um, she was dismissed from speech therapy. She'd been in it since she was three. Wow. And um, this was with they did one to 15 minutes a day, three to five times a week. And I love this one because her mom, you know, documented how much that they did. Which now this is not a huge commitment. It does take, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like for some kids, it takes more, especially if they have more severe, you know, developmental delays. And it takes time for the parents to learn it. The parents ideally will be doing the movements also, as will all the family members, if possible, because it's helpful for everyone. And then you're not like trying to get one child to do it to sort of fix them. We sort of, we kind of shy away from that. Even though, you know, as a parent, you, you know, you just so much want to help your kids, but then you can push too much. And right. that's what I did. That's the mistake I made. But if everybody does it together, it can be really joyful. Mm-hmm. It can be just not a big deal. It's like, yeah, we're going to do our movements now because we know they're good for us. And exactly. just like brushing our teeth is good for us. So that's how I recommend kind of putting that into action. Right. But as you as the parent, it takes some time for you to learn. But you know what? It's so fun. And it makes so much sense. And it works. And I just... 
It's so much fun. I'm just so excited for anyone who takes this on because I know you're going to get results if you do it. That's and super. Um, it's not it's not because I came up with sort of this this thing. It's because we're innately designed for these movements to work. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I love about them. All right. And then you've okay. Got this another. is Jonathan. So yes. he, here's where it would be good to watch the video okay. that I have. So yes. this little boy, um, you can see his the change in his reading scores and the comment about his writing. I will just say now this was probably like 13, 12, 13 years ago. I was um, I trained this man who you'll see in the video. His name is Stephen Kane, and he was one of my students and he really took this and applied it. He was a school based OT. OK, so he did. He in his public school, he did not have a lot of parent involvement. So these are results with one session a week. That was 30 wow. minutes, which I, I, I recommend kids get it on a daily or every other day basis. Right. Once a week is not ideal, but you can still see huge changes. And the video will show you the difference. This shows sort of the academic difference, but the video is going to show you the difference in his body. And what you should do when you're watching it is look at the difference in Jonathan's core strength and ability to... Um, do this certain pose that you'll see standardized reading. Um, and then by the end of that school year in the fourth quarter, they went up to 93%. Wow. Um, yeah. 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 It's amazing. We don't think so much about exercise. We just think, well, what more can we pour into that child's brain um, to, exactly. get them to, to, to get there? And yet it's so much more basic and, and Yeah. Than, than yeah, see, that's the model. And you know what? That model makes sense if children have their foundation. Right. And most children used to have their foundation. There weren't so many disturbances and disruptions. Um, and so it, it was just sort of like a given, like, you know, um, but it's it's not a given anymore, unfortunately. So many children are struggling. And, right. and when they do have these sensory processing disorders, that is definitely linked to anxiety. Yeah. And so there's a lot of research about that. It's linked to um, emotional dysregulation, anxiety, and social impairments. Yeah. And so I just want parents to know that this is this is also all supported by evidence. I have so much more. And you can go on my website to the research tab um, at Move, Play, Thrive. Okay. It's actually Move, Play, Thrive. <laughs> Moveplaythrive.com. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, you I just go to the that. research link and you'll see more. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, here's another little boy. You can see he's got a picture of this little boy who is vacuuming. And this is a situation where this boy was seven years old. He had extreme sensory sensitivity. This is a OT who sent this to me. And um, he screamed and cried about going into public restrooms because of the hand dryers. Oh, wow. And he would run out when the hand dryers came on. He wouldn't let a barber go near him with the buzz cutters. Oh, yeah. And um, he couldn't even do just like a mini, you know, clean the back of his neck. And um, he would run away And um, when anyone at his house vacuumed. So this is hard. You know, this is right. extremely uncomfortable for this boy. And they started doing the innate rhythmic movements and they started integrating some reflexes. And within a month, he was able to tolerate the buzz cutter and some of the um, less forceful hand dryers. But then he was still afraid of the vacuum cleaner. So then they continued oh. with the rhythmic movement and they added integration of the fear paralysis and Moro, which those are very primitive um nervous system responses that leave us pretty much in a state of anxiety if they're not finished in their okay, development. So and then after they did that, right. um, they, his mom was so excited. She sent his OT a picture of him vacuuming because he, he started to vacuum. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that's so a huge so change. Joyful. Right. Yeah. But I love this part because at the end of this little vignette here, he 
you can see like he made huge gains in his sensory motor ability, his motor skills improved, his balance improved. And not only that, but in school before they had done these movements, he could not be still for more than 30 seconds at circle time without wow. crawling over the kids, getting up, you know, throwing things. Now yeah. he can um, meaningfully participate in group activities for 30 to 40 minutes. Wow. So truly when kids aren't paying attention, when they're not focusing, when they're not being still, they cannot. It is so hard for them. They yeah. physiologically cannot do it until they get the means to to actually be able to do that physiologically. Right. Yep. So we got 15 minutes left. Okay. So I want you to focus on what, what's most important um, sure. to our um, parents. Well, here's a good study that I wanted to bring out because if you, um, it's a, a research study that came out in Human Movement Science in 2010 and it shows that when you measure the motor skills in infancy and early childhood, if they're poor, it is much more likely that that child will grow up to have anxious or depressive symptomology between the ages of 6 to 12 years. So Interesting. that's really telling and um, yes. move on. But I, yes. I just... It's really important. Here's mm -hmm. another boy who was really anxious. He would not let his mom out of the room. Um, he he could, especially at night, to go to sleep, and he just made huge changes. Um, was able to separate from his mom. Interestingly enough, he had balance challenges also, just like the other little boy. And if this is a good point, and there's research about this too, that. And, you know, you, you can just see the progress here. Let's see. Um, so he, um, was also fatigued when writing. He could then learn to write without getting the fatigue. And he actually had, um, his teacher say he now has nice handwriting. Right. Had That's really quite the improvement. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but the thing that I go ahead and move on. I, I think I put, Okay, so yes, there's some key, key points. points there, but just so people know, there is research that shows if a child or an adult has problems with their balance, they are much more likely to have anxiety. Or really, yes, the two go hand in hand often. It's not the only oh, reason you might have anxiety, yeah. but it makes sense, right? Because if you're not balanced physically, right, exactly, you're not going to feel not safe. <laughs> Not safe, exactly. Yeah, but the even better part is, is when you help children with their motor skills so that they can balance, they get less anxious by far, and their self-esteem goes up. So um, I, I'm just trusting that that makes sense to everyone. Yes, it made sense to absolutely. me when I saw that research. Absolutely. So um, the key points here, oh, we can, yeah, we can skip that. I think I've already made those key points. Mm -hmm. Um and then I just wanted to share that all these things like sensory disorders, ADHD, learning challenges, balance and posture challenges, speech and language challenges, emotional and behavior challenges, handwriting, all of these are associated with retained primitive reflexes. That means the primitive reflexes that didn't right, get like to go dormant. About earlier. Mm -hmm. And they're all in peer-reviewed research. So you can Good. see more um, on my website. Yeah. Yeah. And then the interesting thing is, too, going back to these rhythmic movements, because they're another category of okay. infant movements, is um, if there are speech and language disorders or developmental coordination disorders, okay. ADHD or dyslexia, that's all associated with atypical rhythm or rhythmic impairment. And that's fairly recent research that came out in 2020. Interesting. So, yeah, it's yeah. good to know there's a supporting evidence base. Right. Um, and then these are good for teens also. This is a teen who was unable to maintain erect posture, continuously shook one leg or the other. He had illegible writing, reading difficulty, and had hand pain. We, we hear that a lot, like my really? hand's tired. Yes, exactly. So he no longer requires excessive verbal and tactile cues to correct his posture. He's got his core strength from within. 
Okay. Um, the leg shaking is reduced. Writing is more legible. Reading is improved and no longer experiencing pain when writing. So wow. this is a boy okay. whose mom said, I don't have to like, you know, force him or cajole him to do his movements. He knows that they're good for him and he mm -hmm. will, he's, con he's doing them because he finds a benefit to them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I've already talked about this, so we can skip okay. that one. It'll All just right. be reading. And then this one, I've already talked about this too in a way. Yeah, the moral this, reflex. Uh -huh. Yeah, this is a picture of the startle reflex. And you can see that baby It looks uh, has a face where it looks distressed. And this is a physiological response that we have as an infant, again, to alert the caregiver but it results in increased heart rate, increased breathing rate, sweating, secretion of adrenaline and cortisol. So that's what I mean by we're innately designed to have that fight or flight response in infancy, but you, you really have to, or hopefully you will be able to do something about that if it did not go dormant. Right. And this is a child who's often hypersensitive, hyperactive, inattentive, and anxious. Okay. And sometimes over controlling because they don't feel safe. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 That's kind of the, the, the quiet way to handle handle that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. um and then it's just a key to mature sensory processing. So you know what? Let me just look. Um I just wanna um, there's a mom in here who's asking about her five-year-old, eight-month girl who has a, a, a yes. bit of a um, yep. mm -hmm. challenge with needing to touch something as she's going to sleep. Right. And she yep. wants to touch her mom's breast, which is, um, so obviously that's, that's not going to be sustainable or workable, you know, and, um, but that need to hold, uh, to maybe mouth something. So the hands and the mouth are connected in infancy. That's why when you see an infant nursing, they're going to be moving their hands too. And sometimes right. the feet also. So what I would do is I would please get some training and take the course so that you can learn um how to approach this with your child in the best way possible. But if you start with the rhythmic movements to help her calm herself, first of all, and then work yourself up to doing hand and feet reflexes, that will oftentimes the need for someone to have that tactile sensory input will just diminish as you get the brain and sensory maturity going. I can't, okay. we never can guarantee until we try. So, um, but we've seen in the past really good um, results with this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Again, there may be other things involved that don't have anything to do with these movements. And, you know, you want to be looking at all your options, but we have had good success. Yeah. So when um, you're talking, um, cause we, we have so little time left, you're talking about these rhythmic movements. What, what basically are involved with that? Um, well, we, so one researcher back in the late seventies, uh, she identified 47 of these different movements. Okay. And so we don't, it's not necessary to to learn them all, but basically, um, one one I can give you just here verbally would be um, if you lay your child down on the side and get them comfortable, give them a pillow, mm -hmm. and just like have one hand on their shoulder if it's comfortable for them, and one on their side, and just rock them back and forth, like forward backward, not a lot because a lot of kids do have a retained moral reflex. So if you start rocking them too much, they might stiffen oh, yeah. yep. and like, whoa, they feel like they're being like pushed over or something. So right. just little micro movements in a okay. nice rhythm, make sure you're relaxed, make sure you're in a positive place because they'll pick up on your stress if you're not, right. which is one, one reason why we always have parents do movements first in their own body. Okay. And then, um, you just give like a really gentle rocking motion, just like you would rock a baby to sleep. And that's a place where you can start. But of course, there's so much that you can learn. Um, and I, I do hope parents will 
um, go up to the website, start reading more case studies and anything yeah. you need to read. I'll put to, your website up in a second. Yeah, um, to convince yeah. yourself that yeah. it works <laughs> and it's worthwhile um, yeah. because it is um, extremely effective when it's done right. I, I hesitate to, um, I know with homeschooling parents, especially, they tend to want to get the book and do it themselves or get a, a book or they'll go online on YouTube and try to look at the resources, which is a great idea for a lot of things. It's not such a great idea for this. For one thing, the YouTube videos, they're taken out of context. They, 95% of them, as far as I know, have errors in them um, where they're either omitting something or the child's in a position that's not really optimal or they're giving a recipe like do this for two minutes. Well, for some children, that's way too much. So I I really hope that anxiety that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. I I hope you'll get the full training. You can do it and it's well worth it. These are tools for lifelong health and well-being. Right. And so that really answers this question we got from Jody. That was the last one. Um, How do you get a child moving sensory diet when they want no part in the movement? It really, it goes back to that anxiety um, that you were talking about before. And you just really have to kind of move at their own pace. You have to move at their pace and you want to start out with things that are pleasurable and enjoyable and playful. I had one mother write to me and she's like, I'm so glad I took this class. She said I was in a different primitive reflex course. And she said, I ended up being like a drill sergeant with my daughter. And she said, now I have, you know, this (laughs) playful way to do it and engage. Right. It's got to be fun for kids or at least enjoyable and soothing. And so you start out with the really soothing stuff. That's why I don't recommend going right in to do reflexes because, um, or even sensory diets, um, because, Uh and if you email me, whoever wrote that question, Jody, it looks like if you email me, I'll send you some information. I can send you an actual. And I can get you her contact information because she put that in the application form. The submission form too. However, I can get more information to you, but um, it's to me, it's really sad when children don't want to move, and that's telling you something that absolutely things need to be. You need to intervene because movement needs to be a part of their lives. It's it's got to be, but it has to be done in a way that is that they can assimilate it and enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, well, we covered a lot of ground. That's good advice. We I, did cover a lot of ground. <laughs> yes, I'm trying frantically to figure out what my, my broadcast is next week, and uh, it's not coming up on my on my list right up there. It is. Oh, okay. I see. So I just want to be able to share with everyone what that is. But but this has has been such great content, and I I I, I love that you're coming from the point of um, that. Yes, we have to be very observant, and it is a customized. Um, way to handle this, but it is a solution to get down to the bottom of what's really going on versus then let's just put the fix on it, like the drugs or, you know, just adding in quick brain breaks or, you know, all of these, these things that, um, that we've heard over the years and yet people still seem to be struggling. And so now it just makes a lot more sense, you know, hearing why, um, these things don't last long term is because we're not getting to the bottom of what's really going on and really fixing it so that, um, so that we can, our kids can thrive. And, um, yes. and so Sonia's website again is um, play, I'm sorry, move, play, And, and that, that link will be in the description of the broadcast, as well as um, some other um, helpful links that she has shared with me already, and the slides that were up there. So all the slides, I know we skipped through a lot of them um, here and there. So um, you'll be able to look at at the um, them in a whole um, on using that link as well. So thank you so much, Sonia. This was such a 
an educational hour for me. I, I really enjoyed all that you had to share, and I'm sure our viewers did too. Um, this is just um, very powerful information and, um, and so necessary in this time when our kids are so struggling because of like the things that you talked about at the very beginning. Right. We have so many things going on, and as parents, we shouldn't feel guilty that our kids are struggling, but there are things that we can do, and you've given Absolutely. us a path towards that. So thank you so much. Appreciate yes. That. Thank you, Peggy. I know you put a lot of effort into your programs and I'm thankful for you and everyone who supports you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just know that this um, broadcast, oh no, it wasn't pre-recorded. That's the wrong one. Um, <laughs> it was sponsored by viewers like you. And if you'd like to make a tax deductible donation to Sped Homeschool, you can visit our website at spedhomeschool.com. Um, just thank you for joining us. Um, we're going to continue this um, this monthly topic of alternative versions to therapy um, that we would love you to continue um, joining us for. Um, next week, we're going to have Dr. Kill Brown on. She is a past guest, and um, she is going to talk about how to increase cognitive skills in learners of all ages and abilities. So you're going to want to join us for that one. Um, she does a lot of neuro um neural connections um, in amazing ways through her curriculum. And so I know a lot of homeschoolers use her program and um, I'm, she's a dear friend and um, I'm excited to have her back on. So, so thank you, Sonia, everyone. Thank you for joining us and make sure you visit Sonia's website and, and check out her resources and we'll see you again here next week. So take care everybody and God bless. Bye everyone. Bye. Thank you. take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. This has been Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. It's a crazy world out there, moms and dads. I'm Katherine Seegers, host of Christian Parent crazy world the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world subscribe at lifeaudio.com